Would you please turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 in your Bibles? It was Thomas Holdcroft that said, the past is a guidepost, not a hitching post. I think those are wise words for us to apply to our lives. And yet many, many people will find themselves with regrets that they hold on to for years and years and years. When we think of looking back over our life, when we think of evaluation, and when we think of trying to do better for the future, there's a hypothetical question that gets asked every now and then. And that question is this. If you could go back in time and change just one situation, would you do it? Maybe you've had that philosophical conversation with others. I know my wife and I were talking about that in the past couple weeks. Would you go back and change something if you could? Now, I think probably we would get a mixed response if we asked that question to a group this size. There are many who look in the past and they see something that was a very difficult season for them. Typically, there's going to be one of two things that if they were going to go back and change something, that it would revolve around. Oftentimes, somebody would go back and change something in the past because of a failure of their own. Something they did that they'd say, I would change that in a heartbeat if I could. On the other side of why they might go back and change something is because of what someone else did to them, specifically if someone treated them in a wrong manner. Some people would say, if I could change that situation, I would. Many people have gone through many years and learned the lesson that everything has worked together to make us who we are today. But some of those lessons that we've learned along the way have been very, very difficult. We look at the life of Abraham, and we see some very challenging lessons that God has taught him. And today, we will see what I think was likely the most challenging thing that he went through. And what we'll see in God's Word today is that God uses testing to prove us, and God uses testing to purify our faith. How many of you like tests? Anybody like tests? There's got to be somebody who likes tests. Seriously? I, okay, there you go. I knew I would get one. There he is, everybody. One that likes tests. Oftentimes, when we think of a test, we face anxiety. We do not want that. But God understands that testing is good for us. It purifies us in our walk with Him. And it proves not only what we choose to do, but also how He can be faithful to work through us. We will also see today from our text that God uses Abraham's faith as the kind of faith that is required for salvation. If you know Jesus Christ today as your Savior, we learn something from the faith of Abraham. All that to take us to Genesis chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, please use one of the Pew Bibles that's there in front of you. I believe it's page number 20 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't own your own Bible, please use that Bible as a gift from us to you. Um, if you'd like a Bible nicer than that, I think we've got some in the lost and found. You might want to check out if you want to keep one of those. 
When we come to Genesis 22, I have to believe that in this study that it feels like things are kind of coming together for Abraham. I mean, we've seen ups and downs. We've seen his failures. We've seen how others have treated him poorly. We've seen wonderful demonstrations of faith already on his part. But at this point, Abraham's life must have been making some sense. Okay, God, what, what you've been doing kind of makes sense now. I can see that. And now I've got, I've got Isaac, this promised child. And so all of these things that he would look at would probably give him some comfort. And then we find the record that we will look at today. And the first thing that we'll see today is what God demanded. What God demanded. Um, a little quiz for you. Those are the one that likes tests might like this quiz. Uh, we talked about the name Abram and the name Abraham. Maybe some of you remember what Abraham means. Abraham means father of many. And of course, when his name was Abram, it meant high father. And so he had to go many, many years being, telling people that his name was high father or even father of many without having a lot of children. But now he has the promised child. We talked about how Isaac came and the beauty of God keeping his word. Now look at verse number 1 of Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early the next morning early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. Now we read about Mount Moriah here. It was not a famous location at this point, but God sent Abraham and these two servants and Isaac to this mountain. Mount Moriah today is a place where tens of thousands of people will visit each year. But it does not begin as a mount of blessing that we might want to think of it as. But instead, this begins as a mountain of testing for Abraham. Let me give us just um, some help. Oftentimes, we will interact with people who do not know the God of the Bible. They do not believe the Bible. And some people will be critics and want to attack your faith and attack this book that we love. Can you find a vulnerable place in this story where someone who does not know God can attack our God? There are some 
who would attack and say God is requiring human sacrifice here. And as we study God's word, we will actually find, I believe it's in Jeremiah, where this is forbidden. Human sacrifice is not something that God requires. We do not see that as part of our faith. And yet, let me ask this question to us in this safe environment today. Is our God a God who required human sacrifice? Don't answer too quickly. When we look at this, we will see that Isaac beautifully is spared. But let me have you rewind back to the beginning of Genesis. And when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve chose to sin. And when they, were, when they sinned, God came and they were caught in that sin and God cast them out. And then we find at that point they started to wear clothes. Do you remember what their clothes were made out of? Do you remember? Skins of animals. That was the first physical death that we find recorded in the Bible. Why was it that they had skins of animals? I believe that at that point, God required a blood sacrifice. That blood sacrifice would give them a temporary covering of their sin. The Word of God teaches without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The animal sacrifices that God required for years were a temporary covering for sins, and it was a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I know when we look at Christmas time, there's so many wonderful things for us to celebrate and talk about. But when we think of Christ becoming flesh, human, Christ, God incarnate, what was the reason why God took on human flesh? It was so that he could die. A human sacrifice would be required. This is why you and I can have fellowship with God today because of what Jesus Christ did. Now, when we look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, while this makes us scratch our head and makes people that don't know the God of the Bible question His goodness, we understand that God is one who is good in every single way. But let's pivot and let's ask ourselves, if we put ourselves in Abraham's situation, how would we do? Don't answer out loud, but how do you think you would do if you were put in this kind of a testing period. How could Abraham go through the act of killing his only son, Isaac? It was because of his faith. He trusted God in such an incredible way, and this is why he is given a nickname, a man of great faith. Can I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11? Hold your place here. We'll come back. But turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham had faith that God would do as he promised. And remember who Isaac is. Isaac is the promised child of God. And God has told him that through Isaac, the whole world will be blessed. And so if Abraham is required to offer a burnt sacrifice of his son, and if God has told him that the whole world is going to be blessed through Isaac... How can he make that work? Abraham had predetermined that he would be obedient and he would kill his son and that God would raise his son from the dead. 
That's why he would go through with this. And I have to believe that leading up to this point, do you think he wondered if he would be able to go through with it? Has anybody ever noticed that when you read this familiar account, there's no emotion that we, that we read about? God told him to go sacrifice his son. The next day, he went up to leave, to go. There's no emotion. And we can sit down and talk with him someday in heaven about this. I would imagine that as he was going and, and being obedient and being obedient, he was always looking for God to intervene, God to do something, wondering, will I be able to actually take the life of my son that I love? And he would get to that point, and God would allow him to go all the way to the point of action. But the reason why Abraham would do this was because he trusted God to keep his promises. God had said, Isaac is the one. Look in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham believed that God would bring his son back to life once he was sacrificed. And how close is that to what you and I are required to believe for salvation? That God would kill his only begotten son, but that he would come back to life. God brings this test into Abraham's life to prove his faith and to purify him. And that's the same reason that he allows testing in your life. Job 23, verse 10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come, at, come out as gold. Now, there's a false message about faith. It's a false message that some people will stand up as preachers and preach. Some will tell you the reason that you need faith is so that you can gain physical things, get better health get more wealth. Some will say that faith is mostly receiving good things from God. But that's not the lesson of Abraham here. His life was incredibly blessed already. He'd accumulated wealth. He had so much. But this is the biggest test of his faith. And Abraham here teaches us that faith is not, not defined by your ability to receive. But faith is defined by your ability to sacrifice. He not only had to trust God with his life, he had to trust God with the death of his son. I'm going to be obedient and do this. Go through with this. I trust you, God, with the death of my son. Is it interesting to anybody else that both in Genesis and in Hebrews it said his only son? Did anybody catch that? His only son? Isn't that Interesting. Because what did we just study last time? It wasn't just Isaac, but it was who? Ishmael. Ishmael's not included here. And what we're looking at here is that Isaac was the son of promise. And there are several pictures of what Jesus Christ would do in the future. 
We see here that Abraham's sacrifice prefigures the New Testament teaching of atonement, that God gave his only begotten son. And I look up to Isaac so much here. Isaac says to his father, where is the lamb? We've got the wood, we've got the knife, got the fire, we've got everything. Where's the lamb? And this reminds us of what John the Baptist would say in the future. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we find what God demanded and then we find what God provided. Turn back to Genesis 22. And starting in verse 9, we see what God provided. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. We talked about this place, Mount Moriah. If you go to Jerusalem today, you will find a golden dome. Many of you have seen pictures of that. That is thought to be the location of where Abraham uh, offered Isaac up as a sacrifice. By the way, um, it is taught by the Muslims that that is where Abraham offered up somebody else as a sacrifice. They would teach he offered up Ishmael in that place, which is not true. And when we think of this location, what stands out to us is not only is, is it prominent because of that reason, but this location is prominent because this is where Jesus Christ was crucified. I love Abraham in this story. There's so much of his faith that we learn, but there's another character who we talked just a little bit about, but he definitely should be admired, and that's the son Isaac. When you look at this story and when you look at the timeline, it is likely that Isaac was somewhere, he was either an upper teenager, maybe in his 20s. Some would go as high as 30s, which seems a little bit old. But the idea is here is that he is a, he's a young man. And he goes along with his father. And is Abraham a, a, a young buck that can chase him down and hold him and keep him there? No. Abraham's over 115 years old at this point. And so he could have gotten away if he wanted to. And I love that we see that Isaac is submissive here. And I do not think that Isaac was submissive so much because he trusted God. I think he was submissive because he trusted his father. And he learned through that. Can you imagine Isaac's whole life going through this account where he was an able-bodied adult and he went through this time? And when we see him, we find this wonderful example of submission. 
and we find the great line from Jesus Christ when he was about to go to the cross and he talked to his heavenly father. And Jesus said, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Abraham sees the ram caught in the thicket. By the way, can I just take you to all the memories you have of when an angel spoke to a man? How many times, if we were to write them down, could we come up with where an angel speaks to a man? And they usually have the same kind of reaction. When an angel speaks to a man, usually the man is pretty frightened and it causes the angel to say two words we think of. What are the two words? Fear not. There's a lot of times where angels appear to men. As I study through this story and the sweetness of how God provided, the Lord will provide. I do not think that there is a record in your Bible or mine where it was more sweet in anyone's ears than hearing the voice of the angel. With his hand raised, his knife in the hand to slay his son, Abraham. Abraham. His faith was incredible. His faith was based on in his confidence in who God was, God's character, that he cannot fail to keep any of his promises. And if God said, Isaac's the one, well then God, I'm going to be obedient even though I don't understand. Even though I have no clue why being obedient, why this makes sense. You're asking me to throw common sense out the door and obey you, but God, I will obey What do you think went through his head? We can always speculate. We don't find the emotion there. It seems that he said to the two guys that were with him, the boy and I are going to go and worship, and the two of us will come back with you. But what do you think was going through Abraham's mind when Isaac hugged his mother for the last time before they went away for that three-day journey? What's he going to say to mom? The lesson here for us is obedience. Faith is there. The reason that we can obey is because we have faith in a God who has never failed to keep His promise. Now, you have to be clear on what He's told you, what He has said. And along the way, don't be afraid of the testing. How many of you like tests? We've got one in here that likes tests. Do not fear the testing of the Lord. This is what purifies us. Does it hurt? It does. But if we can fast forward to the future, and if we can go and visit with Abraham someday and talk about this event, I wonder what he would say. We could speculate, get into philosophical conversations, and ask him that question. Now, when we see the ram here, we find this as uh, Abraham sees that ram as the substitute, like we see Jesus Christ as the substitute. If you have never invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Put your name in that place. You are the one who was guilty of sin, and it was only that human sacrifice, God, 100% human and 100% man at the same time, and he died for you. And God uses Abraham's faith as the kind of faith that is required for 
salvation. And when Abraham heard that angel call his name Abraham, Abraham, can you just imagine? Look what God did. But he had to go all the way up to the point of no return. And so if you and I could go back in time and talk to Abraham, and maybe someday we will, and we were to go to Abraham and ask him that deep philosophical question that we started with today. Now, Abe, Abraham, if you could go back in time, and that account that I've read about in Genesis 22, if you could remove that situation from your life, what do you think he would say? I think we have to assume he would say no. He would not take this away, even though it was the hardest thing he had ever been through. Because God used that test to try him and to prove him and to purify his faith. And this is the picture of what you and I must go through. And I don't think any one of us is going to have to face anything that difficult. We're not going to have to go through anything like that, but testing will come. And so I'm telling you today, don't be afraid of the tests. Do not fear that God is going to put you through a trying situation. Because it's those things that make us better, that make us stronger, that make us stand up for Him and who He is and what He wants us to do for Him in our lives. We've seen this wonderful character. Started out Abram. And he went and God called him. There was nothing special about him. God did not search the world looking for somebody who was worthy. God called him and God uses him and works in his life. And now we come to the pinnacle of this story. God had made promise after promise. And God's going to put him through this one more test. And I want to challenge you. This is a bold challenge. What can you do? Is anybody here bold enough? to pray for challenges, to pray for trials. Boy, that's a big ask. I oftentimes will recite that little funny line that we say, don't you dare pray for patience because then God's going to do something to to teach you patience. But we should never be afraid of becoming the people that God wants us to be. And to go through that, it is not just simply the nice parts of Psalm 23. So many people just enjoy the Psalm 23 parts of life. God helps me to to lie down in a nice meadow. He leads me beside some still waters. God restores my soul. He prepares me some food in the presence of mine enemies. People love the Psalm 23 parts of the Bible, but they do not like the Genesis 22 parts of the Bible. The testing. But when we get to heaven, those who have ran the race will say it was hard, it was difficult. On this side of heaven, this is such a challenge for us. But you're not alone. God is there, and He will give you exactly what you need to get through each moment of each test. And God always keeps His promises. He makes demands of us, and God provides And wonderfully, we can look back on the lives of people like Abraham and see that they were a friend of God and see that they were men of faith. And you and I can stand before God someday, having run a race that was very, very challenging and very, very difficult, 
but we can hear the words, well done. Enter into my rest. Go and join the others. And you and I get to go through that together with one another, with God leading us along the way. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, when we look to you, it is with an understanding that you know the future. We take great comfort in that. Abraham had faith that you knew the future. And you made a promise, and you would not fail to keep your promise. Heavenly Father, would you challenge us in our lives to know your promises, to know what you have said you will do and not what you've not said. Heavenly Father, help us to be good stewards with what you give us and help us to understand that the test of our faith is not necessarily the blessings that we receive, but the test is in what we're willing to sacrifice. While we have our eyes closed, I want to give you a chance to pray today as the piano plays. When we look to our God and look to who He is, we understand that He gives us so much in this world. And when we look to Him, we understand that everything that we have is a blessing from Him. We wonderfully see Him working in our lives to bring us to a point where we accept Him as Savior, but then we're faithful in serving Him. If you're here today and you've not accepted Christ, I want to invite you to do that. Abraham was a picture of being willing to sacrifice his son. God the Father sacrificed Jesus Christ for you and for me. And you can be forgiven today. If you've never asked him to save you, you can do that even in this moment. I'm going to ask the piano to play through. I want to give you a chance to pray this morning. Maybe there's something else in this text, in this message that's been a challenge for you. I want to give you a chance to pray to God. Maybe God needs to increase your faith. Maybe you're one that looks back on some situations of your life with a lot of regret. But maybe God's trying to show you, this is what I can do with that, with that sin of yours or with that sin that someone committed against you. I can take that and turn it into something amazing. Take a moment to pray this morning. Amen.